When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN forward slash Real Vision. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. What's driving crypto prices higher? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Noelle Ackerson, founder of Crypto is Macro. You can find her newsletter on Substack. Hey, Noelle, how are you? Maggie, how are you? So good to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And it's it's really a perfect day. It's been a very interesting Monday. We saw Treasury yields moving higher, the 10-year back over those 15-year highs, settling a little bit below that, but really under pressure all day, even though we had the government shut down, kicked, I'm not going to say resolve, they kicked the can again, as they do. But at least it wasn't, people didn't walk into that Monday morning, didn't seem to matter for Treasuries. That in turn, hurt stocks for most of the day. The Dow's still down. The S&P managed to get that flack. NASDAQ bucked it all day. And in fact, we saw buying into the close. That just jumped from up about a third to up about six-tenths of a percent. So we saw some, some momentum here at the end. And uh, the other thing bucking the trend for a bit now has been crypto. And we saw Bitcoin climbing above 28,000, holding on to gains of about 3%. So a lot for us to sort through. But just generally, sort of what's top of mind for you? What do you make of this market action? It's feeling really, really choppy, Maggie. On the mat, on the traditional sides, on the bonds, on the stocks, it, it's feeling choppy. I mean, we know that the US stock markets and European stock markets and Asian stock markets had one of the worst quarters that they've had in over a year. Things are starting, alarm bells are starting to flash there. We saw today that a really good ISM figure didn't really help the market very much, which again shows just how risk off things are getting despite the move in the NASDAQ. Obviously, I think that could be some shuffling going on. It's feeling really choppy. And then in crypto, what you mentioned there, that was surprising. And again, to look at crypto bucking the trend against the traditional markets, this is very surprising and is, of course, getting all crypto watchers, such as myself, excited that maybe this is the change in sentiment that we've been waiting for. Yeah, that and, and climbing out of the crypto winter, so to speak, right? Um, so let's let's sort of you know, unpack all of these, sort through all of these a little bit separately. You mentioned the ISM. Yeah, we saw that prices paid. It was sort of, some of the numbers were ticking up, nothing too strong, and the prices paid looked good. But right, you're right, not no real reaction to that. We have a jobs number coming on Friday. We were wondering whether we get it because of the government shutdown, but they're open, so we should get it. What is your outlook for the economy? What what are you looking at here? Because it's been, this debate has been had people running from one side to the other really all summer, kind of persisted through September. How are you feeling about the outlook here? I love that question because it really does shed a lot of light on the outlook for the markets around the world. How is the U.S. economy going to perform over the next year or so? I'm relieved to see, Maggie, finally, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but 
the insistence on the soft landing seems to be softening slightly. And that's coming as a huge relief. I've been saying for some time, we are going into a recession. Um, the soft landing, you know, that'd be very nice. I did a search last week for all the times a soft landing was mentioned in 2007, 2008. The, the Fed, Janet Yellen, head of the Fed back then, was insisting that we were coming in for a soft landing. In 2007, IMF saying the same thing. Uh, Federal Reserve of Canada saying the same thing. So the soft landing insistence that we, the consensus that we've been seeing for the past year is starting to fade in its importance, I think. And we're starting to get more diverse takes mm -hmm. on just what this recession will look like. What I'm hearing is not so much, are we going to have a recession? It's like, what will it look like? And that says a lot about the market. The market is not pricing in yet a recession. The, the slump that we had last year was not pricing in the recession. That was a reaction to the interest rate increases. We haven't yet done that. And the coming correction that I'm expecting, that's going to be key for not just global stock markets and other risk assets, but also for crypto. So do you think we're going to see a severe recession? Is it going to be a sort of mild one? Um, and how worried do we need to be about that market reaction? I think it's going to be a severe one because we have not yet begun to see the impact on employment. And that is where the pain comes. It's going to be, we could see some reaction from the Federal Reserve and from the fiscal side as well to mitigate the impact on people. We are coming into an election year next year, and you don't really want to have people losing their jobs hand over fist in an election year. But there's not much that people are going to be able to do about it. We're seeing the consumers start to show cracks. We, Jane Fraser of City was just saying last week that they are seeing at some of their lower FICO score customers some strain. We've, uh, Bloomberg have estimated that outside of the top 20% in terms of wealth, the, the lower 80% have less cash on hand now than they did the beginning of the pandemic. You have yeah. higher oil prices crowding out consumption. You have the end of the summer where you had your family trips and your blowout concerts. Well, that's drawing to a close now too. And so the consumer is weaker. We're going to start to see this in the numbers. We saw whopping uh, downward revisions to previous consumption figures as well. That's not even taking into account the Taylor Swift effect. The consumer is going to start impacting the earnings estimates, which is going to start impacting the stock market valuations, which in turn will feed in on itself and cause even more fear that a recession is around the corner just for the headline value. Yeah. And those headlines matter. They do. A, a long time ago, someone told me, um, we talk about the payroll number. You start getting that unemployment rate moving and it, it they will lead with it every night uh, on the news. So, so that is that jobs component is so important. I, I'm laughing when you are smiling to myself when you were saying the Taylor Swift effect. Um, I, I don't know if anyone who's, we have such a representation, by the way, we have people tuning in from all over the place. So thank you so much. You're all saying hello in the chat on the platform. And I'm hoping you can all find each other on the world that's spinning on the new platform. We can actually see where members are. I don't know if you guys can pull that up. It's so cool while we talk, but, um, the here in the States, everyone is so tired because Taylor Swift's been going to football games. There's a rumored romance. You all know what I'm talking about if you're living in the U.S. Um, so she's everywhere. But that effect from her and Beyonce and their world tours was for real. I mean, that the fact that they're both wrapping up those tours. Now, if everyone goes and watches it in the movie theaters because they both have films coming out now, 
maybe that'll help, but you're not going to get that halo effect for all those economies as they move through cities. I mean, it was extraordinary and that is fading. Um, so it, it's funny that we're talking about that as an economic indicator, but it's true. It shows, it says a lot, Maggie, about the consumption patterns. And again, we've been talking already quite a bit about the consumer, but the consumption patterns have changed. We, it's ever since the pandemic, we are spending more on experiences than we are on things. People are not moving house nearly as much because they can't afford the mortgage rates, but that is impacts significantly the expenditure on things. We're spending on experiences. I forget which country it was, Norway or Sweden, uh, recently reported that Taylor Swift did boost the inflation of the country. And while the United States is much bigger and perhaps the effect is more diluted, it is that kind of a consumption pattern that we have seen. We also know, Maggie, that consumers tend to end when they can right up until the end, right until mm. they really can't, right up until their friends start losing their jobs, right up until it hits home. And I think that's what we're going to see here. And I think that hitting home is coming soon. Um, I'm just, Paul, Paul English wrote, who's Taylor Swift? You're funny, Paul. <laughs> you can't avoid her if you want to. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe you're a secret Swifty. I'm sure we have Swifties in the, in the group here as well. Uh, we lost Noelle's video. You froze anyway, Noelle, but um, we're going to keep going because you sound great. So we're going to, we're going to see if we can get some bandwidth back and it's not us. We just struggle with Skype. So sorry, Skype, but we do. Um, so we're going to keep going, but I wanted to ask you before we dive in, we have some questions about crypto. A lot of people psyched. We're going to hit on that because I think we've all been watching what's happening and sort of thinking if, if we're not in it already, we need to plug back in and really pay attention. But um, we keep seeing all of this, uh, action and every time you open the paper or read the news about strikes. So you potentially have unemployment weakening, but we've got at the same time uh, workers sort of trying to lobby for higher wages. Do you think that's going to fade if the unemployment is going to crater or do we have this effect where we're going into recession just at the time where we may see pressure, upward pressure continue on wages? Sure. We are going into recession as we are seeing upward pressure on wages, and the two aren't necessarily related. We can all agree that wages, wage increases are needed because they have not been adjusted for inflation, and this does impact quality of life and spending power. What is astonishing is how political this has become. We've never before had a sitting president on a picket line yeah. saying that he supports their their uh, their claim, their request for forty percent wage increase. And you know, if I were Jerome Powell, I'd be powering up my meditation app round about now and, and <laughs> taking some anti-anxiety medication because this is not helping him in his fight for inflation. You do have the fiscal hand not cooperating with the monetary hand, and that is going to be an issue when we have inflation pick up again just as the economy is turning down later on this year. Inflation yeah. is not necessarily going to pick up again, in my opinion, because wages are picking up. Wages tend to be because inflation has been picking up, they're coming mm. behind. But it certainly is going to impact the earnings revisions that I mentioned earlier. Corporate Corporates are going to have a harder time passing through the increases in their input costs. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, there's a great stat and I'm just saying this off the top of my mind. So don't quote me on this, but I encourage you to all track it down. There was a great person I heard speaking recently talking about how much of that wage is the actual cost for auto workers. And it was much smaller than you might imagine. They're, what they're worried about in the negotiations are really pensions because that gets built in. The actual hourly cost, even though it sounds so huge, um, sounded like it was manageable. And that was super interesting. So, But that was in the context of whether they'll strike a deal or not. Of course, there are a lot of other issues that are uh, harder to get over. So um, when we are looking at that adjustment, Let's bring the technology part of it in, Noel, because we've been seeing this disconnect. Everyone was feeling at some point that technology was so overvalued, the, the Magnificent Seven, it was so narrow, they were so due for a pullback, they would be the ones to lead on the downside. While that may still happen, it hasn't really been the case in September. Yes, we've seen down days, but even in the last week or so, we, we seem to be seeing the NASDAQ sort of on its own while we see the, the Dow and S&P get hit. What's happening with that technology part of it? Can they withstand this higher rate environment or is it just sort of a little bit of dislocation right now? Right now, it's it's momentum. It's it's inertia because they have been uh, doing so well. They're still doing mel- money coming into the ETFs is still going primarily to the top mm-hmm. companies. That's just simply how it works. But if you remember last week, Maggie, Nvidia's offices in France were raided by the competition authorities. We're seeing the beginning of significant antitrust action against Amazon, and the prices are not taking into account the regulatory risk that lies ahead for a lot of the really big. We also have the deflation of the AI bubble, which is an inevitable part of the cycle that we have coming up. Uh, AI is going to have a significant impact on productivity, just not as much as what was priced in to some of those uh, stocks. And I do believe that 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 impact will be much spread much more broadly than the market has been reflecting. So we have a correction coming up on the tech stocks. That's part of the risk off moves that we're already starting to see. And again, watch the headlines for some regulatory risk ahead. We've been here before with different types of tech companies, and it can get really kind of slippery. It can. I mean, I remember way back in the day covering Microsoft when they were under scrutiny. And and even if even if the end result is nothing, they get bogged down in court and that's time spent not on the business. That's how it was explained to me years ago. And I think that there's there's that sounds very valid, um, especially when you're in a AI race against your competitors. Um, so if you're, you're going to be having to fend off the regulators, um, well worth pointing that out. And it's interesting, Noel, not a lot of people are focused on that. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, so tech's doing its thing still poised for a correction in your mind. By the way, um, if you didn't get a chance to check out Dale from a very technical point of view, he shared, I think fair to say, shared a lot of Noel's sentiment on that. And he specifically went through some technical charts for Amazon, Microsoft, and uh, I'm trying to think of what the other one was, Apple. Um, so go check out some of his technicals and what to watch for if you're interested and hold any of those in your portfolio. So what's happening with Bitcoin, 
So, it, I mean, this is the, we've seen price action, not just what's happening right now, but some people are pointing out, given what's happening with the dollar, given what's happening with markets, they've kind of been feeling like it's been holding up okay. Is, is, is that a fair assessment? And what do you think is going on here? That's a great, that's a totally fair assessment, Maggie, and, and so cool that you noticed that because we've been looking at Bitcoin as yeah, boring, hasn't been doing very much. But as you pointed out, it hasn't been doing much while the dollar has been going up. That is not really supposed to happen. Bitcoin is pretty inversely correlated to the dollar for a whole bunch of reasons, which I won't go into here. But there's been that support all along that we've seen. And the choppiness in some of the stock market indicators that you were mentioning just now, and Bitcoin held up pretty well. And mm -hmm. we know that there is some correlation, positive correlation there. What has been going, well, what, I'll, tell, I'll just throw one really interesting observation from the weekend move. I mean, if you look at crypto prices, you'll have noticed that last night there was a sharp jump up, probably some short squeeze or something like that. There's no clear catalyst that I could see, so it's generally often covering related. But what has happened many times before, it's happened. What happens usually afterwards is that corrects either quickly or slowly, but it generally reverts back to where it was before it had that short squeeze. That hasn't happened yet mm. today for Bitcoin. It is starting to drift a little bit lower. When I checked this afternoon, it was back below 28,000, but it's nowhere near where it was this time yesterday. Ether, on the other hand, is. Yes. So here, what I think we have, Maggie, is a reawakening of some macro interest in an asset that has nothing to do directly with interest rates, that has nothing at all to do with earnings revisions, and that could benefit from the deficit spending that we see coming, that we also know is going to be coming even more after the stopgap funding bill that was passed on Saturday. So I think that's what's being awoken here. And it's it's sort of recursive, Maggie. One of the barriers, and I think you and I have talked about this before, one of the barriers in the crypto market has been the lack of liquidity. Mm. Lack of liquidity, lack of volatility, the liquidity providers have left. Once we start to see signs of some macro interest creep back in, then that's going to tempt some of the liquidity providers back in, which will tempt more macro interest back in. And, and then I think, Maggie, I think we're off to the races. That doesn't mean it's not going to correct from here. There is a macro headwind, definitely. We are not out of the woods, not even close. And there is still a relationship. I think if we get a big stock market correction, that will hurt crypto as well. But the sentiment is different now. And I think that's significant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have something else going on as well. So we had uh, a few new ETH future ETFs come to market today. Ash talked about it on Pro Crypto today. And this is what one of his guests had to say about it. Let's have a listen. The demand for the futures ETF is a little bit underwhelming. I think it doesn't come as a surprise because, as I said, we have another macro backdrop. Last time with the Bitcoin futures ETF, it was close to the highs. Uh, now we are in a bottoming range and uh, also people, I think, are waiting for the spot ETFs, uh, which are much more important. So that's, I think, what I see. So a little bit of reluctance. Uh, there's not a lot of things going on. Also, if you look at uh, on-chain fundamentals, if you look at uh, fees generated by Ethereum and other important uh, coins and token. So um, I'm, I'm much more bullish for next year than, than this year. 
So you can see that entire show and all of our content on our platform. If you only watch us on YouTube and you are not a full-fledged member, scan the QR code or go to www.realvision.com and hop on a trial. You'll also jump the line and be able to use our amazing new platform, um, which we've been showing and we're going to continue to show uh, throughout the week. So really good stuff. We were just talking about the world spinning. So if you want to see and chat with our great community, that's one of the things you need to do. So we hope you'll do that. So, um, and by the way, if you are a member and have not migrated over yet, go to your email. There are instructions on how to do that. Um, if you can't find the email or you're having trouble, Christopher, I saw that you are having trouble. Um, just email us and we'll have someone walk you through it or we'll have someone check on the team from the back end. Okay. So we need to get you all over. Um, so Noelle, uh, I, I, I think it was mirroring what you're saying that there's macro interest. You kind of feel it and everyone's waiting. Um, that spot ETF seems to be the sort of one of the things that, that potentially will open the gate. Um, is that what everyone's waiting for? And are we going to get it? Yes. And yes, it's not the only thing people are waiting for. Yes. I know. I don't know what's going on with my camera. Sorry. It's yes. okay. It's <laughs> okay. like crazy here. Um, yes. And yes, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it depends on the timing. Sorry, if I can, I was thrown by the camera thing there. We are going to get it. I don't, I have been saying we're going to get it before the end of this year. I may need to walk that back a bit because the latest round of applications have all been pushed back. It could still happen by the end of this year. The fact that they've been delayed does not mean that the SEC has to wait until the next deadlines, which come through late in January, some in March. Uh, they don't need to wait until then. They can go at any time, and there's a certain amount of political pressure to do so. So it could still come the end of the year. And why is this a big deal? Because it's a very easy wrapper for both retail and institutional, a much better product than the futures ETFs that we have out there. And it's going to spread awareness even further and just make Bitcoin part of the mainstream investing landscape. It's a, it is a big deal. It's a yeah. huge market. The United States is a huge market. Um, there are other ETFs elsewhere that have done pretty well. So it, that's a sign of just how well it could do in the US market. But again, it very much depends on the timing. If we are in free fall because of the macro implosions, then maybe it'll not do quite as well. But timing, it, it, it's a good, it will be a very good development. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah. By the way, there's somebody, uh, one of our one of our viewers on YouTube um, said, "Is everyone bearish?" She's. It seems if there's a sentiment meter, I, I've ever seen one. If that ain't a sentiment meter then I've never seen one. Sorry. So it's a kind of jumbled, but not one bull, but Raoul out there. I just want to point out that a lot of the times this is a matter of time frame. So Raoul is bullish, but he reminds us all the time that he has a very long perspective. Now I know he's more bullish in the, in the near term than some people that is true, but some of the folks that we've been listening to, if you've been listening to him, to them on real vision, uh, Dave, David H it is that they are just wanting people to be aware of some short-term risks before they're willing to turn bearish, uh, sorry, bullish. And so it's more of a sort of, this is their framework that they're explaining. Um, 
we walk through this in the academy. I just wanted to point that out. It's super important because I don't think people are necessarily, we've been trying to hammer this home, b- always bullish or always bearish, right? It just depends on what their time frame is and how they feel about some of the risks out there and where they see the probabilities happening. So, um, and I think that's that's about right, Noel, right? I wouldn't say you are a bear. I think you are just concerned about what's going to happen through the end of this year and maybe into next. Talk to me about your timeframe a little bit. Is that correct? Timeframe is everything. And one of the reasons I'm short-term pessimistic is because I believe we need a correction to be able to grow again. It's almost like a reset. If we were to keep on growing from here, I would be very concerned because the valuations are not sustainable. And we wouldn't even, we wouldn't really want to be in a market in which the business cycle no longer made sense, now would we? So we sort of need this flushing out of some of the crazy valuations. We need to understand that interest rates do have an impact. In a way, we do need the stock market correction to reset expectations as well for inflation, for employment, and for the economy going forward, because it's very, very related. As you mentioned, as you pointed out earlier, Maggie, it's it's the headline impact. It's the seeing news about the stock market can make you feel good or bad, depending on which way the stock market is going, and that influences spending decisions, et cetera. So it's all very relevant. Longer term, I am very optimistic. I think technology is an incredible force for productivity. I'm very excited to see the progress being made on investigation of new types of energy sources. I think AI is going to be interesting, as I mentioned earlier, but these valuations are nuts. Interest rates are high. We need this to be over with, and the sooner we get the correction, the sooner it is over with. Great explanation. By the way, I don't know, um, Gabrielle, Brian's off today. Um, Gabrielle and Nick, can you pull up our, can you screen share and show our platform um, and go to the Knowledge Center and um, just find out where Roger is? Um, For any of you who want to kind of recap of this, who's bullish, who's bearish, why do people seem to have opposing views? um, Go to the Knowledge Center and watch Roger's, Roger Hurst just dropped uh, his kind of explainer of the whole campaign we just did, Crash or Boom. And he kind of walks through, slows it down and really walks through, sort of teases out the arguments and the things that impact them, why they're different. Is it a matter of time frame or not? It was a really good synopsis. And I think it'll help you make sense of some of what you're hearing elsewhere as well. Give you kind of a, a framework maybe, or help you identify what your framework is. So just go into the new platform and go to the Knowledge Center and look for Roger's smiling face. So um, Noel, uh, asking, do you have a guess on when <laughs> Bitcoin will get less boring? Maybe you missed the beginning of this. I think we answered that already, um, member A9DE. Um, but you feel like things are, there is a sentiment shift, right? There is, yes. And of course, you've got to separate Bitcoin, the price from Bitcoin, the network. Bitcoin, the network is actually not boring. There's a ton of really cool things going on there. Um, including new types of use cases that are emerging, actual address use is increasing, the number of active addresses increasing. So Bitcoin has been, you know, busy over the summer. It hasn't been idle. The price has been very boring. You're totally right. And that is largely to do because volatility has left the market. This, mm. And that's um, not a good thing with crypto volatility as a feature, not a bug. Uh, we, they call in, in crypto, October is known as October because October is traditionally a very good month for crypto. So yes, I think we are about to see it start to get certainly less boring, but 
as I as I often joke, um, there may come a time very soon that we miss the boring days. <laughs> well, or or that things change before you realize it, right? Like nobody rings a bell necessarily. Speaking of not boring, Raoul touched on this. Someone asked me when she went to a concert we together in New York. He was at um, a, at a concert, and he said so many people are building. He called it an ant colony, right? So there's this sort of, as you say, that what's happening in the price actions had this effect, but underneath there are people working on solving problems and they're all doing it. Um, and there's a huge amount of energy. We are, by the way, super excited to share. I think, I, I think I'm allowed to talk about this, um, that we are teaming up with Ledger, the leading self-custody brand in digital assets. And we are going to do uh, an online event. It's our next festival of learning. It's going to, it's called the next digital assets wave. Oh, look, we have, we have, a graphic that shows this. Fantastic. So it's October 12th and 13th. It's completely free. You just need to go to realvision.com forward slash festival 23 to sign up and get the details. We're also going to do some cool stuff. People are able uh, going to be able to participate in a Real Vision Ledger Quest and mint a proof of knowledge NFT. We're going to be giving away 100 Real Vision Ledger storage wallets, find out what they're up to, talk about all the kind of cutting edge stuff that's happening. And Noelle, I think a lot of people equate this. So that's where you go, realvision.com forward slash festival 23, and it's free. Um, I think a lot of people equate this to the beginning of the internet, right? Like this is the rails are being built. There's all of this innovation happening. It, it's just not visible to people maybe who aren't in the space yet when we're talking about the kind of energy and exciting stuff. And I love your newsletter because you don't just talk about price action, which is important, but you highlight some of the stuff that's happening, some of the deals that are happening, some of the people who are working on projects together. I love that. And there's a lot happening in this space. That's so kind of you to say that, Maggie. Thank you very much. And may I say that festival sounds really, really cool because one of the barriers to more people getting involved in this industry, in the ecosystem, in the market is it, it's kind of intimidating. You got to set up your own custody. That can be mm -hmm. kind of intimidating. Minting an NFT, how do I do that? But once people try it, in my experience, once you try it, it's cool. It sort of hooks you. You want to play around more. And that's one of the sticky points of this industry. One of the things you just touched on, Maggie, the stickiness of this industry is part of its intrinsic value. The technology applications going on under the price-shaped hood is part of the intrinsic value. I, I often hear crypto has no intrinsic value. It does. It's a technology. It has mm -hmm. a utility. And this is one of the coolest things that so many investors tend to overlook. If you are investing in crypto assets, you are investing in a new technology, a very new new technology, and you will be participating in its evolution without having to be an accredited investor, without having to limit yourself to private equity investment that, especially at these interest rates, is not a particularly good valuation at the moment. It's access to new technology technologies available to all on liquid markets that trade 24-7, 365. This type of market innovation, not just how crypto markets function, but the fact that they give anyone in the world access to new technologies is, is kind of mind-blowing once you, when, especially when you compare it to how limited access to new technologies has been for the past few decades. That's a great point. Somebody's going to ask you to come testify in front of Gary Gensler for them, Noel. If you keep let that me at him. Let that's me at him. That's a great point. Uh, 
Brian asking any view on Vanguard accumulation of Riot blockchain. I, to be honest, I haven't been following that because I focus more on the assets themselves rather than on the equity. But it sounds like a smart move because the miners have been very punished in, yeah. over the you know over the past year. Um, understandably, if they are going to be losing money because the Bitcoin price is not compensating their electricity price, then that's not necessarily a stock you're going to want to hold. Plus, they generally hold quite a lot of Bitcoin, and that impacts the valuation. Um, with that starting to change, they are obviously, you know, for, I don't know Riot specifically, but I imagine the mining sector as a whole and also some of the listed platforms are pretty good deals at these levels. Yeah. And by the way, it just again shows that the institutions are out there, right? They're they're participating, they're circling. Rao was talking about the fact they're at this conferences, they're paying attention, which leads me to believe that we all need to as well, right? So yeah, it may not be the investment for you, but we are just trying to keep everyone up to speed, make sure you're educated, make sure you understand this new technology so that if we start to get mass adoption or if you want to invest, you're doing it wisely. You're not just running after, you know, some crazy coin because it, you know, quadrupled or something. You really, I think this time, this is the time to get smart about all of this stuff, which is why we talk to you, Noel, because oh, you, we, this is really the moment we, we think this and say this here. Um, you have to sort of understand everything. And a lot of the folks came to us either through macro or crypto, but they're realizing that they're educating themselves on the other side, uh, the other side of the coin, so to speak. Um, and a lot of crypto folks are really diving into macro and vice versa. So we love that. And we love that. That is the patch that you cover coming from a traditional background. It's so helpful. And it's increasingly not just relevant, Maggie, but also just interesting. I mean, what's happening in crypto is relevant to the geopolitical fragmentation that mm -hmm. we're seeing. It is relevant to the currency turmoil that we know we have ahead, given the, the current U.S. interest rates and the strength of the dollar. And one thing that I value about focusing on crypto assets, it's not so much price go up. Uh, it's interesting, but that's not the most interesting point. It's not even more people minting NFTs. That's interesting too, but it's not the most interesting point. It's the fact that we have growing awareness of the alternative investment theses behind many of these assets and the alternative payment rails. This mm -hmm. is especially relevant when we are seeing uh, authoritarian regimes cut off internet access. This is especially relevant if we are heading into a world in which migration is much more permanent feature of human flows. And often, you know, how do you carry your savings with you? It's not that easy unless you happen to have a lot of it in digital assets. It's um, changing how people relate to their jurisdictions. It's changing how people plan for their children's future. It's it's a fascinating tool in a new type of box for a new type of financial landscape. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So well put. And we are seekers, right? Everyone in our community. And if you're on YouTube, I count you as one of them. Um, so hop over. But this is the kind of conversation that we're trying to have so that we can keep up uh, and sort of understand what's happening and help pull all these threads together. I think it's so important. Noelle, it's always fantastic to see you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Maggie. So great to be here. And again, sorry about my camera issues. Don't know what happened there. 
That's okay. Listen, we have your smiling face. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> Sometimes we lose people altogether. So we had your voice and your smiling face. So that was enough for us. Um, before we go, everyone, one more thing to let you know of, and it's kind of related to what we're just talking about. Um, if you're looking for a getaway or you want to sort of dive in a little bit more, we've teamed up with Blockchain Jungle for a gathering that they're hosting on November 16th in Costa Rica. Sounds great. Some of the RV team are headed down. You can get an early bird special uh, and an additional RV discount. So both of them right now, um, just go to realvision.com forward slash Costa Rica to find out more about that. We've got a lot going on and we hope that you can participate in all of it with us. Thanks so much to Noel. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN forward slash Real Vision.